all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. Fucking hectic times we're living in, huh? What the fuck is going on? I hope you guys are all well and okay. And uh, I know that you're sick of hearing about this shit probably, but unfortunately, it's what's happening. And I am going to do a podcast about philosophy today, not specifically regarding the pandemonium that's going on in this world, but as it how a philosophical concept called existentialism results to the time that we're in and uh, some possible perspectives to consider while making morally correct decisions in a time of uh, global fucking chaos. It doesn't feel chaotic yet. I think it's okay. I mean, the changes are happening pretty quickly and everybody's kind of more or less adapting to them in their own time, but it's fucking confusing, right? Well, uh, this it is Monday, the twenty third of March, two thousand twenty. Today, where I'm talking about this, and uh, yesterday, the Prime Minister of Australia said that he hasn't gone all the way to non essential businesses have to close, but basically everything needs to be closed except for the schools right now. So all restaurants, gyms, uh, everything, shopping centers, all of that stuff. The only things really that should be open right now our grocery stores and people that have essential businesses. Um, it's pretty hectic. It's pretty fucking crazy. And there's so much information and misinformation and confusion going on on the internet. And just everyone's got a fucking opinion about what's going on. And I'm about to contribute to that, I suppose. But I think, man, we need a little zoom out. We need a little zoom out, and I think it would be good for us to consider the way we are thinking. Um, what I love about philosophy so much is that it's a study of the experience of being and what it is to be. And by zooming out a little bit and talking about human beings in general as a concept and the way that we can uh, act and choose our own behavior in the world sort of helps take you outside of just like the everyday what the fuck is happening scared fear pandemonium nonsense that's going on um so i think that's what i wanted to talk about i hope this isn't too heavy um i'd like it to still be fun and uh, enjoyable for you to listen to there are definitely times in uh an experience like this where we just need to fucking watch a movie laugh hang out with uh the people you're allowed to <laughs> in your family circle or whatever play a game relax have fun and I've, i i agree with all of that but i also think that this is uh an important i don't know i feel like there's something that i want to say that is slightly not as easy to digest i'd say as some bullshit uh i'm trying to write comedy about this stuff right now too and that's a I don't know. There's two levels to this. And hopefully I can make some of this interesting. I'm not going to try and make it funny because we all know that that's a painful exercise. <laughs> but hopefully this is interesting for you. I'm, I've just made an, 10 minutes of excuses. 
Anyways, I'm going straight into it. Uh, What the fuck is existentialism? Um, Existentialism is a school of thought that was around in the 1940s, and it was basically, it kind of was birthed because of the social and political unrest going on during World War II. So a lot of European thinkers at the time uh, started adopting this kind of view as it related to participating in the war, staying out of the war, resisting um, the general, how the fuck could people get so wrapped up in the shit that they become Nazis, that kind of shit. Um, And John Paul Sartre is probably the main proponent of this school of thought. Uh, He's the main one that kind of claimed the concept uh, existentialism. And so if you like anything that I'm talking about today, he's a good person to start reading if you want to look into this. Um, There, I'll go, I'll get have links on the website of all of the people I'm talking about, and I'll mention a few different ones uh, as the course of this thing um, goes on. So in this kind of weird and chaotic time, it's hard to know what's right, like what's the right course of action to take because there's so much fucking information going on and none of us really know who's telling us the truth, who's not. I mean, obviously you got to kind of roll with what the government's doing, but at the same time you have to remember that the government are just people and they're fallible and their information may be uh, being led by certain financial interests or whatever, but at the same time they generally want to keep us happy and healthy. They're trying to look out for the general well-being of the country because if they weren't, then they wouldn't have a job. They wouldn't have people to follow underneath them. You know what I mean? So yeah, the internet's full of fucking crazy conspiracy theories and people getting mad at each other. Like what just happened yesterday was really interesting to me is that all of uh, the other major nations in the Western world have pretty much shut down because they're trying to contain the virus. So they are, um, you know, closing schools, closing restaurants and stuff, major gathering places. They've all done this. Australia last week, the prime minister said, or on Monday, I think it was even, he said, nah, we're not going into lockdown. Just relax. You're fine. No more than 100 people in a room. Everything's okay. Don't worry about it. And then last night he said, look, look at all the naughty people on the Gold Coast going out to the beaches. You guys can't help yourselves. So now we have to lock things down. (laughs) And it's kind of a little bit to me like... They were going to do it anyway, but now they want us to be mad at each other for doing it anyway. You know what I mean? Rather than us taking it out on the government for being annoyed that we can't go to work or can't go to the gym or our fucking livelihood is falling to pieces, whatever. Instead of that, they'd rather that we are mad at each other. Like, look at the naughty people that, that are not, they're not following the rules. So we're all punished because they're not following the rules. feels a little bit like that. And we all have to kind of fucking rise above this now. I'm not saying that the government is to blame and I'm not saying they have another agenda. I'm just saying, God damn it, relax, all right? None of us know what's necessarily right and wrong in particular in this situation. Um, there is a right and wrong, definitely, but it's a spectrum. It's not black and white, and that's what I want to talk about today. So the concept of ethics is something that's explored a lot in philosophy, and I should make a big disclaimer here that I personally am not a scholar of philosophy. In fact, I did one course at university, failed it the first time because I never went to school and did drugs instead, and then had to go back and repeat it. And uh, you'll be happy to know that when I did repeat it and didn't do drugs and well, I still did some drugs, um, but I at least attended school. Uh, I did great. I really passed with flying colors because I fucking love philosophy. I thought it was an 
Anyways, that's the extent of my philosophical schooling, right? All the rest of it is just me reading books periodically. So you take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. It's an interesting podcast that I uh, hopefully have put together for you to give you a different perspective and think about your own behavior and our behavior in general as a human species. I'm not judging you, mate. I'm just saying we're all kind of fucked. Um, so here's an example of what I'm talking about, right? Um, what's morally correct, protecting yourself or protecting other people around you? That's a tough question, right? We, we always talk about don't, you know, if someone's drowning, don't jump into the water because then two of you are drowning and no one's helping anyone. That's, it's kind of like the more rational thing to do is that someone's drowning, see what you can do from the shore, but don't jump in the water. Uh, so you are to protect yourself first and then protect others underneath that. Uh, as a general rule, I don't know if that's necessarily ethics or if that's, well, it is, it falls under the banner of ethics. What's morally correct in a situation when you need to protect yourself or do you protect yourself, uh, do you protect others? Um, and what's happening here is that you get some people that are protecting themselves and their family by hoarding as much shit as possible, um, so that that way they're not dependent on other people and they can protect their family. I don't think that hoarding as much shit as you can possibly handle is smart, but hoarding enough stuff to protect yourself and your family for two weeks, uh, is not totally illogical. It's cunty for sure, because then there are going to be people that can't protect themselves for a day because of your actions. But, uh, one school of thought is I'm just doing, my part to protect myself so that no one else has to look after me. So I'm not a victim of my circumstance. Um, then if we say, no, the protecting others is more important and that we just press on with our life, protecting others is more important. Um, don't hoard as much shit. Then possibly you run the risk of running out of supplies and then having to ask for help from people or needing to steal it from other people or something like that. And then you become a bane on the fucking society. So yeah, there's a gray area there. The second thing is let's say it is morally correct to protect others. Um, so here's a conundrum for you. Do you have your meeting online? Or do you do it at a local cafe? Now, this isn't relevant anymore because they've just closed the cafes. But I was thinking about this the other day when they were still an option to support local business. Uh, some people, I've listened to these ladies have this argument on the street. These ladies were like, we'll do it again next week. And then the lady was like, well, if we can, I guess, you know, what we can still do is we can still do it online. And then the other lady was like, no, we can't do it online. We have to support local businesses. We have to do it at the cafe. And it's like, yeah, that poses a very interesting philosophical question, ladies. What do we do our weekly catch up online or not? Because one's better uh, staying at home because you're limiting the risk of a spread, which uh, protects your health and other people. Uh, but the other is better because you're helping a local business so that they don't get fucking crazy and start stealing shit from other people or whatever. I'm not saying, I'm not making a moral judgment on anyone in this regard. Uh, I'm just saying that that is what, po these are the kind of ethical questions that are being posed to us. And that, as you guys are probably very aware, there is a gray area in between that uh, you roll with. And you have to make a decision one way or the other. And uh, this is what existentialism, or this is what philosophy in general is trying to aim for, is how do we guide those decisions in a logical, healthy, uh, good way for the overall good. Uh, in our society, 
the way we live there, we don't have a God. Like we don't really have a singular set of rules and guidelines that are telling us what to do. We have laws and we have governments and we have gods and religious groups and moral codes and Instagram influencers that are all telling us ways of doing things. But which one of those ways is actually right? Which one of those has ulterior motives? Which one of those is telling us shit to fucking keep themselves alive? You know, whatever. It's very confusing, right? We live in a world of so much information that sometimes it's very hard to know what's right, what's wrong, and who's fucking lying to you. According to the existentialists, what we should do It is our highest moral virtue to take responsibility for ourselves and all of our actions and all of our behaviors. Everything we do is 100% our responsibility, even being hit by somebody or getting in a car accident, even if it wasn't your fault. These things, they say that your behavior is 100% your responsibility. No matter what the fuck is going on, what you do with it is your responsibility. So we need to use reason and clear thinking to decide in each moment what we will choose because we are responsible for our choice. Then, second to that, is that understand that every single person's individual behavior not only impacts their life and the life of those around them, is that their actual behavior also dictates the future of humanity. So one question to ask yourself uh, if you're thinking in an existential way is if everyone did what I'm doing right now, would that be okay? If everyone bought 100 rolls of toilet paper right now, would that be okay? If everyone bought two rolls of toilet paper right now, would that be okay? Because you can see, and I like this as a concept, because at first you're like, no, I'm insignificant. I'm just a little pea in this giant swarm of 6 billion people on this planet. But as you can clearly see, when one individual's behavior gets extrapolated out to the population, shit falls apart. So if one person decides that that's okay and that's the behavior they want to do, that can very easily become the behavior that everyone does. And it's more, I think the ripple effect is happening faster nowadays because we're so connected to each other. So um, if everyone did what I'm doing right now, would that be okay? It's a good question to ask yourself basically all the time, 100% of the time. Uh, their highest moral virtues would be uh, clear thinking, compassion, patience, adaptability, and rationality. Uh, The self is the most important thing for the existentialist, but not the self uh, that you are, more the way that you behave, if that makes sense. You are entirely responsible for your behavior in the world, and all of your behavior shapes who you are as a person. So let's uh, get into it a little bit. If you would like to read more about this, um, I will have links to all of the names of these people and their, uh, some of the books that I've read by them that I enjoy, but, uh, here are a couple names of people. So if you're in, if you enjoy this podcast and you go, fuck, this sounds like a cool school of thought and I've got plenty of time to read about it. These are the people, uh, you want to read. Um, Philosophers that kind of were the precursors to this school of thought were uh, Soren Kierkegaard and Friedrich Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, depending on how you want to pronounce that. I believe he himself would have called himself Nietzsche, so I think that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. But you do—I just feel like a bit of a wanker when I say it that way. Um, 
Kierkegaard and Nietzsche were, uh, their philosophy was kind of the precursor to what the existential concept became uh, later on. So they're good people to read if you're interested in this idea. Um, Nietzsche actually had a very cool way of looking at the experience of being and what it was to be a human. Um, and I guess, well, like, what is the nature of our existence as a self? Uh, and I'll try and explain it with a metaphor. He likened it to uh, creating a piece of art um, that we are that we are creating ourselves in the same way that an artist creates a piece of art, and that there is a sense of style that unifies our sense, our being, in the same way that that sense of style can be seen in a piece of art. But uh, let me try and explain this. So, uh, if you get inside your head, uh, imagine just think of like your favorite song right now the best song you've heard lately that makes you feel really good. There's something about when you turn that song on that like your body responds. You feel really fucking good about it. It's a hard thing to describe to anybody else. No, but you can't really share that with anyone else unless someone else gets the same feeling from the same song, which is a beautiful moment and it feels really fucking good when two people both see the magic inside a piece of art together. So you listen to this song and it makes you feel really good. Uh, now, if you imagine that song, try and think about what it is about the song that makes you like it. Is it the drums? Is it the lyrics? Is it the sound of their voice? Is it the um, melody that they're using? Is it a rhythm? Uh, more than likely, what you like about the song is the song. <laughs> and it's hard to describe each individual element. You can say, oh, I really love this snare. I really love this little melody that they put in. But if you extracted that melody and just used it on its own on repeat, it wouldn't have the same power that it has inside that entire song. So there's something about the song that makes you feel something. Uh, you could take all of the parts of that song, you could take all the instruments, let's say, that make that song and put them together in a different configuration and it might be a sound that you totally hate. Uh, also, you could take that melody and play it in a different key, a different rhythm, different note structure, whatever, and then that would not, again, give you that same feeling that you've got. So there's something about the unique collection of physical items that have come together, uh, sound items that have come together, rhythm items that have come together, timing that is, and uh, tonality of this song together as a unit that have all come together that gives you a sense of feeling and, and a sense of experience, I guess. That is how we make art. It's a particular collection of a particular group of items at a particular point in time that makes you feel a thing and you have a connection to that thing. Um, that's why art is so fucking beautiful and powerful. Uh, because in Nietzsche's view, it's because that's exactly what we are. We are a collection of material objects, cells, bones, all of that shit that all come together in a very specific arrangement that creates what we look like, uh, how our body is, how our shape is. Then we add to that by with the inputs that we put into our body, both physical and uh, audio, visual, <laughs> whatever, what you're reading, what you're looking at, who you're talking to, who you're spending time around, the kind of experiences you've had in your life, the memories you have, the way your brain has applied meaning to various experiences in your life, all of that together has conglomerated into this thing that is you. And this is a very unique collection of inputs that could be no different. If any of the inputs of this thing had changed, it would change who you are. 
And in choosing um, your life, you will make choices that are based on uh, this unique sense of style that it it is to be you. And so, and I I just think that's like kind of a beautiful concept because that's what puts us in line with art, why art is so powerful, because it's a reflection of our own nature. It's a reflection of our own collection of being. And I think that's a quite a cool idea. Um, this is the foundation of existential ideas is that we are constantly forever creating ourselves. Every single choice we make, every single thing that goes on in our life is adding to and creating this sense of self, this character, this thing that exists, because there is no, their argument, there is no underlying model that we are. In the same way that you get a feeling about a certain song and then you play, like you have this feeling about the song and then you play it for somebody else and they're like, "Uh, yeah, I guess it's all right. And it's just crushing to you (laughs) because you had this incredibly powerful connected feeling to that thing. And then the other person was like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. And and there's no explaining it. There's nothing wrong with that person for they, they don't get it. But I, I mean, me personally, when I have like really powerful connections to certain sounds and certain things, and then somebody else doesn't get it, I do start to wonder if I'll even ever like that person. <laughs> like like if, so, if I'm watching a movie and someone laughs at dumb shit in a movie and they think that's the greatest part of the movie and, I, and they don't get the funny things that I get, I wonder if I could ever be their friend. And maybe I'm a cunt. I'm not really sure. That, I mean, that is, sounds very judgmental. But there's like a certain taste and a certain style to things that I like. Uh, and if other people don't get it, I do question my ability to relate to them. <laughs> um, but so this happens with people as well. So uh, excluding that, um, you just meet people sometimes and you go, Ugh, I don't know what it is about you, but I just don't like you. And then there are other people that you meet and you're like, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something very special here that I want to know you. I feel good around you. It feels like home. Like I feel connected to you. And I don't mean this sexually. I mean, that's an amazing, beautiful thing when all of those elements come together and you fall in love with someone, that's a whole nother level. But just the sensation of like, you know, you get somebody and you get a feeling of them. Um, So uh, Nietzsche would argue that it isn't, all of the things that you do in the world and the collections that you've gained, like making heaps of money and having heaps of cars and bitches and shit and yachts, that's not what makes you you. It's the essential being that makes you who you are. That um, if you make a ton of money but you're a shit cunt, you're still at the end of the day a shit cunt. You're always going to be a shit cunt. Um, But if you're a good cunt... And this is why I love Australians and Australian language. It's so good because you know exactly what I'm talking about when you say you're a good cunt. You're a good cunt. This person just has a thing about them that they're a good cunt. Whatever the fuck it is they're doing, they could be a doctor. They could be a fucking homeless person. It doesn't matter. They're a good cunt. They're a good cunt because they feel that way. There's something about them that makes you be like, yeah, you're all right. That's the idea. Anyways, um, so uh, that's Nietzsche. That's the precursors to existentialism. And then the proponents of existentialism themselves is John Paul Sartre, who I'm going to talk about a lot today. He, uh, he's the main proponent, I'd say, of it. And then uh, another one of my favorite authors is Camus, uh, C-A-M-U-S. And he wrote the book that I um, oddly am reading right now. I started reading this book about a month ago, right before all the coronavirus shit happened in Australia, before we knew much about it. 
and it's called The Plague, and it's a book about a town that gets stricken by a plague and has to be quarantined from the rest of the world. <laughs> Fucking weird timing. Um, then he also wrote a book called The Stranger or The Outsider, and that's a book that I talk about constantly in this podcast. It's a really, really fucking good book. Uh, Dostoevsky is a Russian author that kind of falls under this category, and one of the best books uh, of his that I really love is called Notes from the Underground. And they're, all of those are kind of examples of, of existential thinking at the time. Um, anyway, so there's your reading list. Um, now, what are the ideas in existentialism? I've spent, tw- I, I have talked for 20 minutes now already, and I haven't even ex- told you what existentialism is yet. The main key idea, so I've talked about it a little bit already, is that we're responsible for our own lives. Um, the way that they phrase that is that existence is prior to essence. They believe existence comes before essence. Um, now to contrast that so I can make it clearer, if essence preceded existence, that would be your, uh, general Christian religious faith thinking that there is a God, um, and he, or she, whatever, fucking God, I'm going to say he, because it seems easier. I'm sorry for the feminists out there. Um, God has conceived of a human being inside his brain, if God has a brain, right? He goes, uh, I would like to see a human being. And I imagine the human being would be in my image. I would like a little version of me to populate the earth and eventually fuck it up for everyone. Um, so he goes, all right, I think this is what a human being would be like. And then he molds it out of clay. And then the human being walks the earth, uh, on, in God's image. That is essence the essence is the idea of the human being existing prior to the existence of human being. So God exists. Who existed before God is a great question. How did God arrive to be? Is he whose essence created God? But anyways, uh, so there's a thing, a creator of some kind, and he had in his head or she or whatever, uh, the idea of a human and that essence of a human is what created the human being. And then the human being existed because the idea existed first. That is essence prior to existence. The existentialists believe the opposite of that, which is we come online at some point with our mothers give birth to us. We come out, we are a thing that exists. And then at some point we come online and we become aware of our own existence. When we are become online, we are now responsible for ourselves and creating ourselves. There's no internal essence that makes us who we are. We make ourselves from our day-to-day experiences of life. So their argument is is that there's no human nature. There's no such thing as a core essential human nature that drives our behavior that we are bound to. Instead, we are 100% free to choose our own experience of ourselves in the world. so the opposite of existential thinking would be something like, um, you know, if you if somebody's like a, a violent, domestically violent person, right? And they just say, oh, well, my parents were violent. I got beat up as a kid, so that's why I beat up my family now. Um, the existentialist answer to that would be, fuck yourself, cunt. You are violent because you're violent. That's the simple answer. You're violent because your behavior is violent. You can either change it or not or whatever, 
but you are violent because you're violent, not because of anything else. Um, people that say, you know, like, oh, anxiety runs in my family or the health issues run in my family. This is, it's genetic, it's genetic. Um, the, uh, our, the existential view on that is you may have a predisposition to certain health issues, but your behavior is what is causing your health issues regardless. Whether you're taking the medicine, not taking the medicine, exercising, eating, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing is a product of your uh, your behavior. Um, anxiety runs in my family, that kind of thing. It's like, no, you have anxiety because you choose to continue to have anxiety. And I am not saying that we're not victims of anxiety, but I'm saying that having mental health issues and wearing them as a sense of identity is a problem, and existentialists would believe the same. If you are experiencing anxiety, it is in your best interest, as you guys probably well know, because I imagine that anyone that listens to this podcast has got some kind of mental health troubles, um, as I do, uh, that when you are experiencing anxiety, the last thing you want is more anxiety. You know what I mean? Like if you are a true experiencer of real anxiety, it's the worst fucking thing. It's like the fucking world is ending. You're dying and you are trapped in it and there's nothing you can do. It's horrific. And that anyone on earth would want that to be a part of their identity that they carry around with them forever is fucked. So uh, the existential answer to that is no, you're anxious because you're anxious. You have anxiety because you have anxiety. You can now choose to take actions that will limit your experience of anxiety. And there's a freedom in that. There's a very good freedom in that. Rather than being a victim to it and that you are just stuck with this thing, you now have the choice to find ways to get out of it. And thank fuck for that because that's what I do and it sort of helps me survive a little bit. doesn't mean that I can always use it, but it does help me survive. Um, so uh, and to extrapolate on that, that we are responsible for our own experience of ourselves and the world the existentialists take it one step further also and believe that in choosing our own actions, we also choose for everyone else. So back to that same concept I was talking about at the start, uh, that question to ask yourself when you go about doing a behavior, if you, to, to pass the existentialist test, would it be okay if everyone did what I'm doing now? Because they believe that in choosing our own actions, we are choosing for everyone else. Um, what happens when you choose is that you are assigning a value to a certain behavior over the other option. Um, so if I go back to the cafe example, whether or not you should have a meeting online or you should have uh, the, go to the coffee shop and get a coffee from the local business to support the community, um, depending on what you choose, whether to stay online or to do it uh, at the cafe, you are making a value judgment. You are saying, if you stay at home, you're saying, I value my own health and the health of others over financially supporting my community. You've made a value judgment that the, your health is more valuable. If you choose to go to the cafe, you are saying, I value supporting the community at the risk of my own or other people's health. Uh, so that's what you're saying when you make a choice. And that, when you put it in terms like that, you can start to see how clear... Uh, poor thinking is. So, for example, um, I 
want to take care of my own health and my body and uh, treat myself well. But when I choose to eat an entire packet of Tim Tams on the way home from the gym, I am saying I value putting toxic sugar chemicals into my body above my own health. That's what I'm saying by that choice. So when you put that in words like that, it's like, that's a stupid thing to value, isn't it? Why the fuck would you do that? But in the moment, you, when you do these behaviors, you just go, oh, because I need it. <laughs> and that's an irrational and a stupid thing to do. So um, existentialists believe that we are making a value judgment. And I think that makes perfect sense. Um, because of that value judgment, they also believe that we can't choose evil. And this is kind of interesting and probably a concept that I don't understand enough to talk too much about. But from a simple point of view, if we think about it this way, you are assigning a value judgment to your decisions. And so whatever decision you choose, you have decided that is good. You will never choose the thing that makes you worse. You will decide, so even if I choose to pick the packet of Tim Tams, which is irrational and a stupid thing to do, in my head I will justify why I've done that to make me still be good because we always have to be the hero of our own story. Uh, We always do what we think is right, so we will convince ourselves that it's right even if it is totally fucked. Um, And examples of this is, again, that cafe versus the meeting is the person that decided, uh, the online meeting, the person that decides to go to the online meeting only is saying, I'm doing the right thing by my community and I'm a good person by staying at home. And the person that goes to the cafe is saying, I'm doing the right thing by supporting my community and uh, I am a good person. So either way, they both have decided that they're good people, but both of them have done the exact opposite uh, action, behavior. Uh, same thing with hoarding shit. Uh, obviously, people that are hoarding to the extreme are extreme, and they're idiots. Um, well, they're not idiots. I have to stop saying that because this is another thing that we have to consider too, and this helps. A new alternate perspective will help with a little bit of compassion for people that are in fucked situations right now. We're all in a fucked situation, but here's the thing. Uh, what happens when you are afraid is your amygdala and the center part of your brain switches on and the front rational part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, turns off. So when you're afraid, the more fear you have and the more uh, inability you have to think clearly in a new situation when you are in the unknown, basically your amygdala turns off, your prefrontal cortex, or sorry, amygdala turns on, prefrontal cortex turns off, and you are unable to think. You're basically now reduced to being a monkey. And so monkeys are going into Kohl's and buying fucking 100 rolls of toilet paper. That's what's happening. We can't judge their, yeah, they're fucking idiots, but they're idiots because they're monkeys right now because their fear brain is telling them that they need, 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 protect, protect, save, store. And it's, it's irrational and it's probably greedy and selfish, but it's, And stupid, yes, but that's what's happening to a human brain. And depending on your level of fear, you are capable of exactly that level of stupidity. I know myself, when I get to certain levels of fear, I do really fucking stupid things. It it happens to all of us. And to think you're above that and that you could judge other people for that is fucking stupid. Because what you're not seeing, and sorry, I'm not yelling at you, (laughs) but what we're not seeing as people is that 
uh, we are all capable of this kind of fucked behavior because we are not in control of our emotional regulation of our minds. So anyways, um, what that person that's hoarding shit is thinking it's stupid of people not to be prepared. I'm doing the right thing by my family, by myself. I'm protecting myself, which is the right thing to do for my community. So even though they're doing something that's probably uh, not good, it's not, or in what some people might consider evil, that person has not chosen evil purposely. They have chosen to believe that they're doing the right thing. So that's an important distinction to make. Um, so the, uh, Existentialists believe that your choice, then whatever you decide, whether it's action or inaction, is still a choice. Whatever situation you're presented with in your life, whatever you choose and what behavior you end up displaying will impact everything down the line. And uh, to just explain that would be uh, your choice is going to impact your own life then that's going to impact the lives of others around you because they're the ones that have to experience you in the world. Then those people have to go out and experience other people in the world, which means that your community is now impacted by your choice. And then because your community has to interact with other communities around them, the it eventually ripples out to the entire world and it impacts the way the entire world perceives that thing based on your individual choice. That's the way the existentials, uh, existentialists believe and you th think about this, um, we have a term for it, the ripple effect or the butterfly effect, and it, it is a pretty well-known phenomenon. And obviously, quite clearly, you can see what's happening. The more people start being afraid that there's not going to be enough toilet paper, the more there is not enough toilet paper because people are panic buying. <laughs> it happens. People's behavior in one or two instances starts to grow very quickly to being an entire impact on the world. And the media for fuck's sake, has got some pretty serious uh, considering to be doing about the shit that they're saying in the world. They're, everyone's trying to calm down and, and relax, look at the situation objectively and rationally, and then you have a group of fuckheads that make a lot of money, and I don't know, they're like the stupid gossip fuckhead. They're like, I, they just can't get enough of stirring shit just because they want to see chaos. I don't know what it is. Like, because maybe, I don't know, in the past when shit isn't crazy, crazy and scary and shit, we don't pay any attention to the media. We all know they're fucked. We all know they're fucking just sensationalizing everything. They're just selling Bullshit. Dunkle, Dunkle Trussell. Oh my God. I'm getting all worked up. Can't even say my words. Duncan Trussell, uh, he's a comedian in America, said once that uh, the news is just lubricating your mind with fear for the commercial breaks so that you so that all of your the commercials the ads can go straight into your brain and force you to go out and buy a new lawnmower <laughs> whatever. Uh, so that's. That's what's happening with the media is that they've had ulterior motives to drive this like crazy because they want ratings. They want to win Emmys. They want to sell fucking more advertising, whatever the fuck it is. They need more people to turn on the TV. So what they're doing is creating sens sensationalized news stories to get people to watch the television. What they're not realizing is that that fucking behavior has a huge ripple effect on the world around us. And in particular in the world right now where everyone is so connected and has so many varied inputs, we can see a lie coming, but we are all looking for answers. So everyone's trying to consume as much information as they possibly can. And it's 
fucking people up. Nobody knows what's right and wrong anymore. Nobody knows what the actual situation is. And we're all fucking scared. And scared people, again, are reduced to monkeys. When scared people turn their fucking prefrontal cortex off, we do stupid things. We become Nazis. We become fucking fuckheads. We hoard toilet paper. So it's crucial that we all understand that we're responsible for our own individual behavior. That newscaster that is spreading lies and hate because they want to keep their job, they're fucking up the world for everyone else. And the people that are running that news organization and forcing those people to say those scripts are fucking our world up. I'm not saying that they're bad people at all. What I'm saying is that we, none of us, are taking responsibility for our own actions. And I I have a very acute understanding that whatever I say on this podcast does go out into the world and has ripple effects and impacts on other people around me. And I suppose that's why I get so tangled up in whatever I'm trying to produce here. If it's a thing to be said, if it's a good thing, bad thing, what am I saying? And a friend of mine actually pointed this out to me, that I have to be careful about um, like the transactional analysis podcast I did talking about these schools of thought because there has be- been some discussion about people misusing that philosophy to um, undermine people or take advantage of people. So we all, it, it, it's a hard thing to do, but it's an important thing to keep yourself in check all the time. Realize that your actions have real life implications for everybody else. You may feel insignificant in the world, but you're not. You are creating By every single action you take in the world, you are creating a pathway for the humanity to follow behind you. And please choose the right way as best as you can. And the right way, the only answer to that is the rational, logical, uh, compassionate, (laughs) slowed down, clear thinking path. And sometimes you're going to fuck it up. And this is the problem. Um, With responsibility comes uh, what the existentialists would call angst. And that is, if you're the captain of a ship and you have to make a decision about going left or right around an iceberg and you accidentally run into the iceberg, that's your choice. That's your responsibility. You go down with the ship. Um, It's that kind of thinking. That's what happens. We are all responsible for our own behavior, so we do have to make sacrifices. I want to eat those Tim Tams. But I just realized that making that value judgment has put my own self below my greedy taste buds for that moment. That I, I undervalue my own health because of impulse and emotional eating or something. Because Maybe because I'm scared to face the emotional feeling I'm having, the fear that I'm having, the uncertainty that I'm having about my own existence. Because I'm trying to avoid that with sugar, I've decided that my own person is less valuable than ignoring the situation. Wow. Sorry, that's got a bit heavy, didn't it, you guys? (laughs) But it's an intense thing, right? And and it is important for us to understand our own responsibility. Um, It might sound daunting, but this is also the ultimate freedom because you're no longer a victim of anything when you start thinking this way. You are responsible for all of your choices, but that means that you can choose You don't have to be a victim of any of this shit. You can choose to live your life the best fucking possible way. Get out of any shit situation because you choose. Your behavior helps you get out. You're a good cunt. Good things will come to you. It's guaranteed, man. 
I, it sounds like a bit of woo-woo thinking, but it's not, man. And I know people have shit situations. I've seen people having really fucked, fucked situations in life. And I know that 90% of the world is in fucked situations. And we're just only experiencing for the first time ever in a very affluent, white, fucking middle-class privileged world that we're just experiencing a tiny bit of inconvenience right now and there's so much fuckery out there in the world that people have to strive through but those people survive every single day and there are good cunts in that environment and there are shit cunts in that environment and that comes down to the individual and the path that they choose and I think that's very fucking cool um, I would also like to add to this that in choosing it sounds daunting that it's your choice and you're guiding the ship of humanity with every single choice you make. But intelligence truly is adaptability. Um, the existentialist would say that you are responsible for your choices, but your choices are only relevant to that exact moment in that exact time. Every single choice you make is going to be different than the last choice. There's never two choices that are exactly the same. Um, this, this school of thinking itself was actually kind of only relevant. And then some tendrils of them have come through, which have kind of guided some principles of modern psychology, which is really interesting. And this is, I've talked about this before in a podcast, but it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. Helps you see how your behaviors are impacting your life and those around you. And that helps you trace them back to the activating event that caused you to behave in a certain way and help change your relationship between those two things so that you might experience that activating event later at a later stage in your life and not have the same negative behavior pattern. This is called uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT if you're interested in it. And uh, it's very cool. So this is a modern way of thinking about psychology and it was kind of influenced by this existential school of thought uh, of taking responsibility for your own choices. So in saying that, because uh, choices are relevant to a specific time and a specific set of uh, behavior patterns that create you who you are, your choice can always change. The more different choices that you make in your life, the more knowledge that you have to make better choices going forward. So um, a good and a concrete thinking, like the opposite of that, of not fluid thinking, concrete thinking, gets you tr that all of it basically stems from fear. It comes from fear and ignorance. It comes from not knowing. It's the lack of knowledge or a lack of wisdom. And a good way to describe this would be um, if you, let's imagine two people, John and Barry. John and Barry both work at the same office and they have a very important job that they both love. Uh, John drives one way to work every single day. He always goes the same route to work and he's never had any experience of uh, road closures or detours of any reason. So he's always been able to go that one way to work. So he's never had to look any other way. Every time he drives to work, he always drives the same route. And when he gets to work, he gets to meet Barry. They have a good time. They have a good job, uh, do a good job. They have drinks after work, whatever. And then they go home. Barry lives uh, nearby to John, but kind of around the corner from him. And Barry, in his suburb, they're always doing fucking roadworks all the time. So in the 10 years that both John and Barry have been working at this office, Barry has had consistently to take different routes to work even though they live very close to each other. So he, Barry, knows this entire neighborhood like the back of his fucking hand. 
which is an interesting phrase, actually, when you think about it, because I don't really know what the back of my hand, like how many, how often do you guys stare at the back of your hand? Would you know the back of your hand if it was in a picture of 10 other back of hands? I guess I would. Anyway, um, so Barry knows his way around. Barry could walk to work if he had to. He could ride a bike. He could ride a skateboard. He could ride a fucking hovercraft if he wanted to to work, and he could get there any way he wanted with his his eyes closed. John, on the other hand, can only get to work one way because it's the only way he's ever gone. Then one day suddenly a tree falls across the road in front of John's house and – well, not in front of John's house. Let's say halfway to work. John's driving to work, and he encounters the tree, and then he goes, fuck, what's happened here? I'm going to have to wait till this tree moves. And then he just sits there staring at the workers while they're having their uh, 10 o'clock smoko break and their 12 o'clock smoko break and their 115 smoko break and their 3 o'clock smoko break. And they haven't cleared the tree yet. And he's just standing there staring at them going, well, I have to go to work and this is the way. What happens now? But Barry has already been at work all day and he's chatting to Susan at the water cooler and asked her on a date. And John's got it. Because John didn't make it, didn't realize that Susan was single and keen. This is coming across very misogynistic. <laughs> Anyways, clearly I think I've demonstrated my point. Barry has experienced a lot of adversity in his life, which has required him to understand different various ways of getting to his final destination whatever way, by whatever means necessary. John has never experienced any adversity in his life. He's never had to go any other way, never thought to go any other way, never even wanted to. And now when one thing changes in his life, he's totally fucked. This is an example of concrete thinking versus fluid thinking. And it is so important that we spend our time fluidly thinking, especially in times of change and adversity. The people that survive these things well and the people that don't hoard toilet paper and the people that build stronger communities are people that have fluid thinking, that can react to change and uh, look at it in all its different perspectives and find a new way through it. We as a fucking family on this earth need to work together in general, to figure out what the fuck is going on. We can't defer our responsibility to the government, to the fucking media, to the Instagram influencer and webinar courses. Everyone's looking to take advantage of everyone in some way or another. And the only way to protect yourself from doing that is not be a stupid, manipulatable cunt, right? And I'm not saying that that's your fault. I'm just saying that we in general are susceptible to shitty things going on around us because we are not taking responsibility for our own behavior and our own thinking. The stronger we can be as individuals, the stronger we can be as a unit together as a family. We got to look after each other, man. Look after the shit cunts. I know that they are doing stupid things, but it's because they're scared. Most of the time when anyone in the world is doing something real shitty, it's usually because they're scared. And I'm not saying that we're stronger than them or better than them. It's just that maybe you've experienced a certain level of adversity that has allowed you to have multiple avenues of thinking, whereas somebody else has never done that. Or somebody else has experienced so much adversity in their life, they're just fucking giving up and all they want to do is watch the world burn. That also happens. But what the majority... If you walk outside and look at the general public, it's not what you see on the internet. It's not what you see on the media. Yeah, the shelves are pretty empty right now, but there are still shelves, right? 
you're going to get fed. The government's given out stimulus packages. It may not be exactly what you want. It may be a, a giant conspiracy to fucking hurt us like cattle. I don't know. Who knows why anything fucking goes on? The, the existentialists would say that the world is absurd. The human position is absurd. We're responsible entirely for our own existence, but we never asked to be here. We just are. So what do we do with that? How do we exist? By being good cunts. Follow the example of Nietzsche. Develop your own sense of style by experiencing yourself in the world constantly. And ask yourself, when you start doing some kind of any behavior, any behavior, ask yourself, if everyone else did this right now, would that be okay? And if you like the answer you get, go for it. And if you don't like the answer you get, good job. Recorrect. And let's try to, try to find a new way. We're going to find a really cool amazing, nice thing out of this because all beautiful philosophy, beautiful music, beautiful artwork comes out of confusion and strife. And we don't need to make this harder on ourselves than it needs to be. And we certainly don't need to get mad at the naughty kids in the naughty corner for doing whatever the government was going to do anyway, right? Relax. Be nice to each other. Be nice to everybody because we're all in this together. Is that even necessary? Who am I talking to? You guys are good people. I don't know why this is coming across condescending. I've really, I need to go. I don't know. I'm feeling fucking confused and intense. I've already had my own personal meltdown for 2020. <laughs> what a confusing year it's been, right? Um, lastly, uh, I don't know. That's more than enough out of me. There's so much more I want to say, and I'll probably say it again in another podcast because, uh, yeah, God, I'm really... I'm really overdoing it here. I hope you guys are well. Thank you for listening, as always. Um, I do have to make a small plea to you. I am a foreigner in this country, and that means that I possibly am not eligible for Centerlink benefit. I know currently right now I am not eligible for a Centerlink benefit. Uh, credit card, business cards, loans of any kind, I am not eligible for in this country because of my visa status. I'm allowed to work uh, and that's about it. So, uh, unfortunately with the gym closing as of 12 o'clock today, I, uh, will be doing some video work for them, which is great. I'm still got some income coming in, but unless the government releases a stimulus package for temporary residents in this country, I have no other source of income. So if you guys, and I know everyone else is in the same position, so I totally get it. If you do have any uh, spare cash and you want to contribute to the Patreon for this podcast, I'd fucking love you forever. You'd be saving my bacon big time. It's five bucks a month or whatever you choose to contribute. It doesn't matter. I know that everyone's in the same boat and it's all good. I'm still going to produce the podcast the best way I know how, uh, whether I have to... I don't know what I have to do to get, I'm not, I'm going to be fine. The government's going to look after us. There's no way they're going to leave 2.1 million uh, temporary entrance in this country without a livelihood right now. We're going to be okay, guys, all of us together. But if you want to support the podcast, you just go to lornabremner.com and click on support the podcast, or you can go to patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, much love. Talk to you soon.